Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Where the White Coats Come Off. Before we dive into today's episode, we just want to encourage you to keep going. We know how hard you're hustling to meet PA school prereqs, and we get DMs and emails every day about how stressful the application process is. It is overwhelming, and there's so many things that go into making sure you stand out as a candidate, from prereq courses to PCE and HCE to volunteering and shadowing and leadership, writing a rock star personal statement, and so many other details. We know you worry about standing out among thousands of other applicants. We know you worry about missing PA school deadlines, but we want to invite you into a different way of applying to PA school, one where you aren't worried about how strong your application is or if you stand out or if you're going to miss any deadlines to programs. We want to invite you into a VIP day with us where we create and submit your CASPA application in one day, making sure it is your most competitive app and done in a day so you can take one huge thing off your plate. How good would it feel to have your CASPA app submitted? It will be such a weight off your shoulders. Remember, you can't land a seat in PA school without an interview and you can't land an interview without submitting your CASPA app. So stop waiting and stop second guessing. Get into our VIP day. We can't wait to help you create and submit your app in one day so you can start getting those interview invites and get into PA school. Check out our VIP day in the show notes. Now on to today's episode. So today we have another installment of our international PA series, and we are super excited to bring you Jill and Shirley. Jill and Shirley are both from the Netherlands, and they're going to talk all about the PA profession in the Netherlands, what the training and schooling is like, what the profession is like over there, and answer any questions we have about what being a PA is like overseas. So please join me in welcoming Jill and Shirley to our podcast. So Jill and Shirley, thank you so much for being here with us today. To get this started, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to PA. All right. Uh, my name is Shirley Bubbles. I am a student physician assistant at Icon PLC Peria Health Sciences. And that's an international organization that focuses on the most advanced healthcare intelligence and clinical research in the world. Uh, the studies Icon conducts span all phases of drug development uh, and are in every major therapeutic area. And I work in the north of the Netherlands in Groningen, where I mainly focused on phase one research. And since April this year, I've also been involved in clinical trials in patients in our clinical research units in collaboration with the University Hospital in Groningen. Um, and at last, something about my background. I have a bachelor's degree in nursing. And prior to the start of my study track to become a physician assistant, I worked in a hospital as an oncology nurse. Uh, within this position, I already gained some experience uh, in the context of experimental therapy in oncological patients. Yes, and I'm, uh, I'm Jill. Uh, I'm a student physician assistant uh, as well. I work in Maastricht. That's also, um, that's really down in the south of the Netherlands. So we are like four hours apart and that's a small country. Yeah. <laughs> um, my work field is um, orthopedic surgery uh, and I'm responsible for the patients on the ward and I provide medical care there. I have the same responsibilities as a medical doctor and I have a bachelor's degree in physical therapy. I worked in physical therapy for three years before applying to PA school. But I'm also responsible for outpatients, mainly concerning shoulder uh, problems. Excellent. You know, I work in orthopedic surgery as well, so I feel yeah, nice. I feel your love for that. So, with that, do you, you said you work in outpatient? So, do you help in surgery as well in the operating room? Um, no, not yet. That's where I want to be in the future as well. Uh, just uh, concerning the shoulder, because that's my specialty eventually, um, but not yet. Okay. And then Shirley, you said that you did some um, research. So what sort of researching are you doing right now? 
Uh, yeah, that's a good question. We focused on phase one studies. So um, that's the first dosing in healthy volunteers. Uh, and after that, we uh, do the same procedure in patients. And that are uh, patients from chronic diseases, uh, as rheumatoid arthritis, or some yeah, bowel diseases. Uh, and that medication we give in the University uh, Medical Center in Groningen. Uh, so yeah, that's my uh, job. Excellent. Well, it sounds like the PA career over in the Netherlands is very similar to what is here. There's a lot of different specialties you can go into. There's a lot of different things you can do, research, outpatient, OR. So that's really exciting. So can you tell us a little bit about the PA profession in your country and a little bit about how it started and what it's like now? It started originally in America, of course, and then afterwards it, afterwards it traveled here. And what happened is the same thing as in America. We didn't have enough doctors when we were in the hospital, and then they started to educate PAs as well. Main difference, I think, with America is the in training. Uh, physician, uh, physician assistants have to have, uh, they already have to have a bachelor's degree before they um, can apply to a PA, a PA position. So they have to work two years in a bachelor after they had a bachelor's degree in, for example, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, or being a nurse. And after that, you can apply. And the big difference is that we have straight on a paid job. As soon as we apply to a PA position, we get a paid job and the employer pays all of our studies and as well uh, as our salary as well. So I think that's a the main difference between us. So as soon as you get hired on, you have your job, they pay for your studies. Will you as a PA expect to make more or, or how does that work? What is the compensation or the salary like as a PA versus the PA student in the Netherlands? Uh, as a PA student, you normally earn what you have as a, for example, I was a physiotherapist. So uh, when I applied, I took my salary that I had as a physiotherapist and um, I took most of it, I could take it with me and they that's what they uh, would pay me. But after we finished study, because we are still studying, we get paid more, yeah. Well, that's super exciting because you've probably know a little bit about the PA profession in the United States and student loans over here, um, getting loans from the government or from the bank to pay for your education is a huge barrier for a lot of students. Uh, most of us go into a lot of debt. So I think that's absolutely amazing that you guys are able to study and train at the same time while not having to take out those loans because it can be a big burden over here and it can deter some students from actually applying to PA school because they don't think they can afford it. So that's amazing. Yeah, I have a question for you. Uh, what's your background? My background? Okay. So I have an undergraduate bachelor's degree in biology, and I concentrated in health science because I always kind of knew I wanted to go on for more. And then I ended up getting my PA degree at the University of Kentucky, and so I have my master's in that. And I was a PA for a few years, and then I was an orthopedic surgery PA, so I worked in the OR, worked in the hospital, really loved that. Um, I did end up turning to academia a few years ago, so I currently teach at a PA program over here. And I went back and I got my doctorate in medical education a few years ago as well in order to you know, continue teaching and doing that. So I've also worked in urgent care, I've worked in the emergency room a little bit, but orthopedics is kind of my main love, and I absolutely adore it. I love the difference 
of every single day. So we would start off in the hospital rounding in the mornings, and then we would be in the OR or in the operating room doing surgery uh, for the first half of the day. And then the second half of the day, I would see patients in clinic. And then sometimes we get called to the hospital. It's very procedural based. So lots of splinting, casting, lots of injections, lots of suture removals, reductions of fractures. So I absolutely love the difference um, every day in orthopedics. I'm not always in the office, I'm not always in the hospital, and I get a little bit of both. Nice. nice. <laughs> um, you just told us about uh, that you have big loans in uh, America when you have to uh, start PA, the PA um, education. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, we don't know how that works exactly. Yeah. So anytime you want to get schooling over here in the United States, um, most of us don't have the money. It's very, very expensive even to go to undergrad. And so we have something where anybody is eligible to apply for student loans from the government. So basically the government will give you money for your education, but you do end up having to pay that back. And we also have to pay interest on that. So the longer it takes you to pay back, obviously the more you pay for our schooling. So you can yeah. get scholarships and things like that, but that's more often for undergrad. So undergrad has a lot of scholarships you can apply to. They have a lot of financial aid if you're an athlete or if you're on like an academic scholarship. Um, they can pay for part of your tuition and that makes it you know way less expensive. For graduate school though, especially PA school, those are fewer and far between. And PA schools are pretty expensive here. I mean, they range from everything from some of them are under $100,000 and some of them are over $200,000. So it can be a really, wow. really, yeah, big burden um, for students. And it really just depends on where you go. Every PA school kind of is different. I would say the average person in the United States can probably expect to go to at least $100,000 in debt during PA school. A lot of us are not allowed to work, so when I was in PA school, I actually had to sign a contract saying I won't work because it's so rigorous, the nature um, of school, and so they don't want you to like have an outside job to pay for it. So that's also another burden because now you're not working. And once you graduate, you have to pay for your test, you have to pay for your license, you have to pay for your DEA, and so it can be even real expensive after that. So it is a huge burden over here. There are some scholarships, but most students, unless they have the financial resources to pay for it themselves, they do end up getting student loans from the government, and that can be really, really tough. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, that would be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we, we study for two and a half years to become a PA because we already have a bachelor's degree um, and have a minimum of two years work experience. And the government also pays uh, a lot of our studies yeah, to our employers. But we don't have to pay it back, luckily. Yeah, and that's wonderful. And and something you mentioned, I do want to touch on because um, I did watch that video you have in English. Thank you <laughs> on your Instagram. <laughs> um, and you did mention that you do have to have some sort of healthcare experience before going into PA school in your country. Can you talk a little bit about what qualifies for that and why that is a prerequisite for PA school? Uh, yes, I can do that question. You have two years of background in a bachelor degree, and it can be uh, nursing, for example, or physiotherapy, or dietetics, uh, and then you go uh, to the PA school. And yeah, to become a physician assistant, uh, the whole study triact is two and a half years. Minimum work requirement is 32 hours a week. The study triact is to become a physician assistant starts each year in September, and a total of three lines are central during our study triact. Uh, so the fundamentals of anatomy and physiopathology, science and uh, learning and practice, uh, in, that, in which I refer to the internship periods. Each 10 weeks, specific organs, systems uh, are central, translated into patient problems, uh, and the complexity got increased month by month. 
Uh, yeah, and I learned lots of weeks by weeks um, and I'm often surprised how quickly my knowledge and self-confidence grows. And we are required to complete a total of seven intern external internships uh, with a duration of three weeks each period. And it's important to have uh, many connections so that you can schedule your own internships in, for example, cardiology, specialism or neurology or general practice. Yeah, well, that's um, funny because we have five schools in the Netherlands who supply for this study. And um, because Shirley is studying in Groningen and I am studying in Nijmegen, we have a lot of differences as well because they have to go on a study or an internship for three weeks yes, as a minimum. And we have to go on an internship for a minimum of five weeks or 140 hours. So that, that differs between the schools you, you, you go to, but you're not allowed to make up your own mind about where you're going to school. You just find out a vacancy and then the employer decides on which school you go to. Oh, so that's really interesting. So you just say, hey, I want to be a PA, and then they, if you get selected, they tell you where to go. And so you might have to move. Did you guys have to move from where you're from? Um, no, the Netherlands is not that big. <laughs> okay. That's true. That's true. I, but, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, and, and then it's normal to go to the nearest PA school that's in your area and um, you apply to uh, a job offer. So in my um, uh, case, it was a job offer in anesthesiology at first because I switched during studies to uh, orthopedics. Um, and you just you apply for that job and um, you they assume that you stay on that job after you graduate because they also invest time and money in you so they um, really want you to stay of course yes okay that makes sense um, so you kind of have to know what you want to do when you go in because you're going to stay at that same job yeah, but that's that's why they require a minimum of two years work experience and then because you already have a bachelor's degree a lot of people are um, I think the youngest in our profession is like 24, 25, because you already have to have that work experience and um, study time, of course, at your bachelor's degree. So um, I think a lot of people already know in which direction they want to head. Okay, that makes sense. That's really interesting. Um, another thing that you mentioned is that you have to set up your own internships. So I guess that's another reason why you have to be part of the medical field, because you get to know people, or, or how does that work? Do you just ask them? Do they know what PAs are over there well enough that they're willing to say yes? Or how does that work? Uh, yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people uh, from physician assistants in other professions. And yeah, yes, I can. there are a lot of people um, who work in a hospital already. And the fun part is that it's not that hard because you just have to write an email saying, can I do an internship with you guys in a couple of weeks or in a couple of months? And um, I want to stay for two weeks or I want to stay for two days, something like that. And that's really easy when you work in a hospital it, it's harder when you don't work in a hospital so for example for example in a general practice because you have to make up a contract with the internship you're going to do and that's really hard because we uh, well we, i have five weeks and shirley has three weeks so that makes it a bit harder because normally they don't see the uh, bright side of having a pa for just three three weeks yeah that makes sense that makes sense 
So that's a little bit different over here. Over here, we're actually not even allowed to set up our own. They all have to be through the, through the school. And so they have to go through this process, but they say, yes, this is a good rotation. And then they assign us. And so sometimes it's in our area, or sometimes we might even have to travel um, to other states um, for our rotations as well. It just depends on where they can get placed in the hospital. And it's been really hard since COVID because some hospitals now are saying, hey, we don't want students. And so that has been a, a little bit of um, trouble for some PA schools here because they have to have so many sites to send these students for because our class sizes are very large at some programs over here. Um, so that's really interesting. Yeah, uh, you just mentioned about how long the, well, from start to finish, how long PA school can be, but how many, in, our, uh, in how many years are we talking about then when you start and know you want to become a PA? Yeah, so everybody has to have a bachelor's degree, just like you guys. Um, well. yeah. yeah, and so we recommend clinical experience. Um, some have five, ten years, and some don't, but the minimum is a bachelor's degree at least. And then most PA schools are about two and a half years, so another 27 months of training. The first 15 months is usually didactic, and so that's where they're just in the classroom, they're learning, you know, pharmacology, anatomy, physiology, diseases, etc., how to read x-rays, how to read labs. And then the second part is your 12 months clinical rotation. So you spend 12 months in different hospitals and it does vary slightly by school, but there's some specialties that every PA has to rotate in because PAs in the United States can work anywhere and they can switch. So you can work in orthopedics for 10 years and decide you want to go back to women's health or decide you want to do something totally different. And so as that, we are trained as general PAs. So everybody has to do family practice. Everybody has to do one in internal medicine. Everybody has to have psychiatry. So there are these things that we all have to have. And then most schools allow you to have one elective, meaning one that you can choose yourself. So I chose orthopedics because I was a big athlete and I knew I loved that. Um, and then you can choose anything. Some people choose cardiology or, or dermatology, etc. Um, but we do have very specific things laid out that we have to do during that clinical year. And then after that, you have to graduate and you have to pass a test in order to be certified. Um, so I didn't know, is there a similar test in the Netherlands to be certified or how does your certification work once you graduate? Um, now, as soon as you graduate, you, ha you are a PA, but you have to go to courses, for example, to earn your credentials every five years. You have, for example, I don't know how many, but say 50 credentials you have to pass in, in five years. And then every time you do a course, you get credentials for that. Yeah, but it's the same way in, in the Netherlands as well. We are educated in general as yeah. PAs, you're a general PA, but um, you still work for, in my for my example, in orthopedic surgery, but um, I can switch whenever I want as well. Yeah, that's great. I know some countries, yeah. you know, it's not that way. So I think that that's amazing because it, it's so versatile. And, and I know the Netherlands has not had PAs as long as we have over here, but what is the, the job outlook like? Are there lots of employment opportunities for PAs? Is it growing? Do you see it growing more in the future? In the Netherlands, the precision assistants are increasingly integrated into our healthcare system. Uh, in particular, general practice and mental health care are currently under great pressure. Uh, so we also have to deal with population aging, in which I believe that the physician assistant can really make a difference in multidisciplinary contact and collaboration between the medical specialist and the patient in the future. And I think we work uh, with all of our physician assistant colleagues in the Netherlands to ensure the professional growth personal excellence and recognition of uh, the PAs.
Um, I also been a member of the Members Council of, that's of Physician Assistants since May last year. Uh, and we call that in the Netherlands NAPA. And that's an organization that is committed to the position of the physician assistant. And we see a growth in the number of the members and within a growth in the number of uh, specialisms in which uh, PAs are active. So yeah, I think that's a good uh, growth position. Yeah. Um, well, in 2020, there were about 1,500 PAs at work in the Netherlands. So, and we train around about 250 PAs a year. I think in America, you can go to PA school because you really want to go to PA school, but here you get trained only when there is a job vacancy so that there's not an overflow in that market. Okay. So if there wasn't any vacancies, then they wouldn't accept new people. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. Because you don't, you're not the person that goes to that school and talks to that school. You just have to talk to your employer and your employer talks to that school. Okay. That's super interesting. But that kind of makes sense to keep the stable workforce. And that way you have people in areas that you actually need instead of having, you know, a surplus of, of openings. Yes, exactly. Um, so I don't know anything, to be honest, about the healthcare system in the Netherlands. Now, I have visited once and I absolutely love your country, but I don't, I was young and I don't know anything about the healthcare. So, what um, I assume, do you guys have global healthcare or how does healthcare work in your country? Yeah, we have global healthcare, so everyone is obligated to have an insurance, a healthcare insurance. And I think our little country did very well uh, when it comes to healthcare and taking care of the elderly, for example. So I don't know what you want to know exactly, but I just know we're doing really well in that area. <laughs> yeah, and that's different because over here, you know, we have a, a third-party payer system, right? So you have to buy insurance and, you know, everybody's insurance is a little bit differently. And sometimes your insurance says, hey, you can't go to this hospital. And sometimes medications are really expensive and people can't afford them. So when you say people are obligated to have insurance, does everybody get it through the government or do they still have to sign up and pay for it? Or how does that work? Yeah, we still have to sign up and pay for it. So in general, everyone is obligated to have uh, to have an insurance. Um, but you also have differences in insurances. So, so we, ha we have what's it, what is called a basic insurance. So when you get sick and you have to go to a hospital and you have to be admitted, that's what's your basic insurance, for example, when you have to. And when you want to have physical therapy or um, dental insurance, that's uh, separate. So you have to pay extra for that. And it's, it is really expensive when it comes to that. Because I think we generally pay uh, quickly a 5% or 10% out of your wage. Easy. Okay, for that. And then if you need any add-ons, you end up paying for those as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And you, of course, can uh, visit a physical therapist or an occupational therapist. I think occupational therapy is included in your basic insurance for 10 hours a year or something like that. But you can uh, visit them, but it'll cost you a lot. Okay. If you're not and how do PAs fit into that insurance system then? Um, are you allowed to see PAs if you have regular insurance or like how do they fit into the healthcare system there? Well, if you just want, if you, do, if you visit, for example, a doctor in the hospital, it, it is possible that you, that you run into a PA so that the PA runs the um, outpatients. Okay, that makes yeah, sense. But it's not, you don't request for a PA. Well, that's not my experience at least. 
Okay. That makes sense over here too. When you go see someone like your family provider, it could be a PA, it could be an MD, a DO. It's kind of the same thing over here. It depends on who they've hired at that clinic. So you've talked a little bit about um, the PA profession and we kind of touched on schooling, but what, um, I know you have your externships and you also are working and studying at the same time. What is PA school like over there? Just for maybe uh, students over here who are interested in what PA school is like in the Netherlands. PA school is different because you already talked about didactics and then afterwards you go into uh, your internships, right? Did I Mm -hmm. recall that right? Yeah. Um, You start with PA school here and then the first couple of weeks, first 10 weeks are getting used to your own department. And then afterwards you immediately start with training as well in school, but you have to also um, apply for your internships internship straight away Um, so after only 10 weeks of being in PA school and of course studying the theoretical field you do your internship straight away so the first one with for me was uh, for example was internal medicine and I thought that was really hard because you only had like 15 weeks of theoretical um, stuff and then afterwards you just had to apply it straight away in um, when you in your practice and that was really hard we are both uh, in the end of our second year now and we now know and notice how much we've developed in the last two years so you become more and more um, you get you, you get your trust and you you just develop real quickly in this job. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It really is once you start seeing patients and start really, really doing it, you kind of learn the art of medicine, as we call it. So I assume during your first 10 to 15 weeks and when your studies, you have the traditional, you know, pharmacology and you learn about diseases and then you kind of apply that in your externships. Does it change? So for example, you're doing different externships than maybe Shirley is. So do you have different like the teaching, is that different depending on what school or what part you are? Or is that kind of the same and then you choose your externships? You have like your um, your school year is divided into four semesters. And then every semester has its own headline. So the first one is internal medicine. And then the second one, for example, is acute medicine. And then the third one is uh, geriatrics. And that's how you divide your the stuff you need to learn and also your internships as well. And uh, it, it depends on which school you go to, how your exams go, for example. Because my exams, I've got two exams, theoretical exams a year. And that's an open book test, which Shirley, on the other hand, does not. Shirley, for example, has uh, doesn't have open book tests. She has to study, which, um, which I think is really hard. She has to know everything from, like, on top of her head. And that's, I'm really, I'm really glad that I didn't have that. I was really glad with my open book tests. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. Um, so it's very similar over here where, you know, we're required to teach certain things, but everybody tests a little bit different and everybody trains people a little bit different. We do have set standards, obviously, that every PU school has to do, but it, you have some liberty with how you do your training. Some schools do very lecture-based training, while others will do what we call problem-based learning. Some do cases. Some teach by system, meaning they teach everything in the same system, and some teach, like, we're going to teach pharmacology this semester, and then we're going to teach all of radiology next semester so it they do have some leeway too um and that way every everybody's schooling is a little bit different mm-hmm. but um i um, heard you talking about didactic years is, is it that you go to school from monday to friday full on yeah 
So it's full on. Um, and what we like to say as teachers, we're like, you're going to have a lot of overtime. <laughs> um, so sometimes yeah. we'll have classes in the evening or sometimes we'll have testing in the evening as well. But but yeah, it's 100% all in for school. And that's for our students, usually the toughest part, the didactic year, because it's so much information so fast that they have a trouble keeping up with it. Um, and then clinical year is where you, it's a different type of hard because that's where you apply it. So a lot of our students haven't really applied their knowledge for the past 15 months until they get to clinical year. So they know how to treat hypertension or, or high blood pressure. They know all their medicines, all the side effects and all this, but they haven't actually like done it until clinical year. So that's where they really apply their knowledge. And um, that's where you really kind of learn actually how to treat patients. But the first 15 months is 100% all in, all studying. So students do have problems with burning out with that because it is so much and any you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's pretty far away, and that can be sometimes hard for students. So most students, when they get in trouble in PA school, is going to be during the didactic year because they do tend to burn out just with all the information and kind of having having to know all that. And then they usually really, really enjoy their clinical year because that's the fun part when you're in the hospitals. Yeah, of course. So you don't have, after the didactic years, you don't have tests anymore, or you do have tests? You still have tests, yeah. And so um, you have tests at each, at the end of each, what we call rotations or externships, internships. At the end of each, you have tests. And so, for example, some of the schools I've worked out, you have an end of rotation test, meaning you get tested over, let's say you did family medicine. Well, you get tested over everything in family medicine, whether or not you saw it, right? So even if you didn't see X, Y, or Z, you still have to know it, right? Um, and then you have like pharmacology tests. A lot of us have practice tests, so like patient encounters. So for example, they'll come back and we'll make a case and we'll pretend like we're a patient and they'll have to assess us and tell us what we think is wrong and order labs. And that way we can see that, you know, they're doing that correctly. They might have clinical skills, like show me how to do a joint injection or show me how to do a, an eye stain or show me how to do this. So there is lots of testing for them. So <laughs> it's, it's more fun because they're out of the classroom, but they still have a lot of tests that can be a little stressful. But they're learning so much on the job when they do that, um, that most of them really enjoy their clinical year. And I was the same way. I mean, I teach in didactic because I love to teach. But when I was a student, like clinical year was so much more fun because you, you get to talk to other PAs and physicians and physical therapists and just see how, how they practice um, and really just see, you know, more of the how medicine is actually done because sometimes the book, you know, isn't the way you actually do it for multiple reasons. Um, so that's a lot of fun for our students. Yeah, well, we um, never go full on to school. So that's really different. We uh, attend school once every week. And then on the other, um, we have a 36 hour contract. In general, we have a 36 hour contract. And then for nine hours a day, you have school or eight hours a day. And then on the other days, you spend your remaining hours on the job. That's really different. We start on the job straight away. Yeah, that is really different. And I can see how that would keep you from burning out as much because you get a little bit of everything and then you can kind of apply what you've learned. So you learn it on Monday and then on Tuesday you see it in the clinic. So I think that's a really unique model. Um, and I don't know of any other country that does it quite that way. I don't know. How familiar are you with other countries and PAs? I don't know anybody who does it quite that way. I'm not really familiar uh, just with um, England and America. So that's kind of the same thing you just told me about. But then um, uh, you are more advanced than England is, for example. Because I'm, um, I'm not sure if that changed uh, during the years, but I know that England wasn't, uh, the PA in England wasn't supposed to write, prescribe medication, for example. They weren't allowed to do that a couple of years ago, if I recall correctly. But yeah. you guys um, are. 
Yes, yeah, we um, we have to get a, a special license. And as you said, we have to keep our licenses up, both our prescription and our, we have to get a license for every state we're in. So for example, I'm in Tennessee. If I want to work in Tennessee, I need to get a Tennessee license. But if I wanted to move to Georgia, I would have to get a Georgia license. And sometimes you have to take another exam. Sometimes you have to get letters of recommendation. Sometimes you just have to pay a fee. <laughs> um, so it is, is a little bit different, but yeah, I know England is, they are still, last I heard, awaiting on the national health system to recognize PAs, order for them to get prescription authority, et cetera. So that was supposed to happen, I think maybe sometime this year. So we'll have to check back in with that and see if that actually did happen. And New Zealand's kind of in the same way that they have PAs there but they're not recognized nationally by the National Service Corps or Health Corps, whatever they call that. Um, and so they don't have all the authority that we do over here and in the Netherlands because they're not recognized by their global health system yet. I guess it's something that has to be voted upon. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Uh, I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, are you allowed to work in another country? Oh, yeah, this is really interesting. So, um, and we've had a lot of international PAs on our podcast. And so most American PAs are allowed to go anywhere. So New Zealand hires American PAs, England hires American PAs, Canada does. I know a PA who's working in Germany, but the reciprocal is not true. So only people who graduate from the United States schools are allowed to work in the United States because where you're not allowed to sit for your final exam unless you graduated from what we call an accredited school. So a school that our accrediting body has said, yes, this is a good education. And so even though we can go anywhere else or most places in the world, unfortunately, those students can't come here. So who knows in the future, that might be something that they'll have some more reciprocity um, with that. But as of now, so a lot of students like from Canada, for example, will actually come and get educated in the US because they know they can work in both places. But if they get their education in Canada, they know they can't come over to the U.S., at least right now. I know that we have, uh, in the Netherlands, we do have a really good system. Um, and I know that there, are, um, that there are other countries that have PAs. A couple of years ago, there were just 15 countries that had PAs. So there are not a lot of countries with PAs. But I'm not sure if we are allowed to work in another one. Yeah. I'm not sure about that one. Okay. But it's an interesting question, though. It is. Yeah, it really is. I know so many... Um, countries are starting to open up, like for New Zealand, for example, at first they only allowed American PAs, but now they're allowing PAs from um, Canada, and I think, I'm pretty sure, um, UK as well, um, so they're starting to, to open it up more, so it'll be interesting to see if, if countries start to open up more, and, you know, it becomes more international, so you could go anywhere and work as a PA, which I think would be amazing, especially for people like you who speak different languages, I mean, we are a little bit spoiled over here that, um, Unfortunately, not a lot of us know foreign languages, so that would be hard for us. But, um, you know, with you guys who speak multiple languages, it would be it would be amazing to be able to go where you want and kind of kind of get different countries. Um, uh, how many schools are in America? Oh, that's a great question. So um, more and more schools are popping up all the time. So there's not quite 300. There's, I think, 286 as of now. Um, but schools are always applying for a new accreditation. And so once you become a school in the United States, um, you do have to like keep up. You get every few years, you get like surveyed by our big accrediting body to make sure you're still doing what you're supposed to be doing. So every once in a while, we lose our school who's non-compliant. But this, the PA programs here are growing so rapidly because the physician assistant profession was named the number one profession in America a few years ago. And so it just really exploded. Um, so like when I went to PA school, there's 
you know, there were PA schools, but there wasn't nearly as many. There actually was only, I think, two in the state of Tennessee. And so I went out of state because they were both private. And there's now like six or seven or eight just in our state. Um, so it's really, really interesting how the PA profession has grown. And the thing that has kept it from growing even faster, I think, is the fact that there's only so many hospitals you can work in, right? And so they're trying to take medical students and they're trying to take PA students and pharmacology students. So I think that's the only thing that's really going to stop the growth because it's an amazing profession and it's really useful in the healthcare world and the healthcare team. But, you know, we do have to have so many rotation sites. And so that's the only thing that's really, I think, keeping it from exploding even more. But every... Every year in the United States, we get more and more and more programs. So it's it's been a crazy wild ride, especially this past decade. Yeah, and you talked about student loans, for example. Um, how long does it take for a student, on average, to pay that one back? Yeah, so... PAs come out with high debt, high earning debt, but a lot of us also come out as kind of a high salaried position. So last I checked, the average PA makes about $104,000 a year. Um, and... I have no idea what that conversion rate, sorry, would be, um, but it's a it's a high income career. Um, with that, though, most people still will take 15 years or so, sometimes even longer, to pay off their student loans um, because of the interest and because you know a lot of them want to. Um, maybe live in a city or maybe they start to have a family because they're around that age or they buy a house. And so um, student loans can can take a long time. There's some people who, you know, are 50 and they still have student loans. So it can be quite a burden just depending on that. And, you know, it depends on your interest rate too. Um, so if you have a high interest rate on your student loans, then obviously you're going to accrue faster. Um, we do have some different type of things which you can do to pay them off in like 10 years. We have like a 10-year thing where if you agree to work for a nonprofit and you make minimum payments for 10 years, then the rest of the loans will be forgiven. So there are some ways for students to pay off their loans faster, but um, that narrows down your choices of where you can work and you know you have trouble changing jobs because if you're in that, you have to work in that straight for 10 years. Um, and we also have some some student loan repayments if students will work in like rural areas. So we have a lot of rural areas that don't have a lot of PAs. They don't have access to medical care because it's hard to get providers to come to these areas. And so if you agree to work in these areas for a few years, they'll usually pay off your student loans as well. Most of us though, I think end up paying it just out of our salaries. You know, we don't get any kind of financial training in PA school, which I think is a really big deficit because, you know, obviously students are smart, they're educated, but they don't nothing about finances. They they don't teach you how to pay off your student loans. They don't teach you how to budget. You know, they don't teach you any of these things. We're so focused on science and learning, and most of us have undergraduate degrees in science too. So I know when I graduated, I knew nothing about like how to pay back my student loans. I just knew that, you know, I was finally getting a paycheck, but I owed all this money to the government. And so I, you know, I educated myself and I read some books and stuff like that out there. But you can make some major mistakes, especially early in your career, some major financial mistakes that can come back to haunt you. Um, so I wish schools here had a little bit more in their curriculum about, you know, how to, you know, live as a PA, like how to pay back your loans, you know, how to do this, how to do that. Um, because it can be um, overwhelming for students, especially if it's the first time you've ever gotten a paycheck and you're super excited. Uh, and then you're like, whoa, I forgot I had all these student loans. So it's, uh, I think it's something that we don't do well enough for our students. We need to give them more education on how to pay back these loans that they basically were required to get in order to achieve their dream career. Yeah. And how long does it take to get a new uh, job after graduation? 
Oh, that's great. So um, once you once you graduate, so you are allowed to sit for your what we call board exam. So it's a big national exam that everybody has to take that says, okay, once you pass that, so you don't have to take it right away. Some students take it right away. Some students can wait, like you said. Some students take longer. So you, but you're allowed to to pay for that and sit for that whenever you want. So once you actually pass that exam, so let's say you take it, usually you get results in four to six weeks. Um, so even if you take it right after you graduate, you're still waiting about six weeks before you're credentialed. And that's how we get the C at the back of our name. So we'll say PA-C. That means I'm certified, meaning I passed my exam. So once you've done that, unfortunately now you still have to get a state license depending on what state you're working in so you can get hired on after you become a, a board certified PA but you can't start working until you get a state license and until you get credentialed by insurance so let's say if I'm working in Alaska I have to say have the state of Alaska say yes we agree that you are able to work here based on your education whatever you get that license which again can take some time and then you have to get credentialed by insurance so you have to say okay insurance are gonna pay me so we have to contact all the insurance companies in that state and say we're hiring a new PA um, this is the PA this is this and then they have to hire you and then once you're hired you have to worry about getting your DEA license etc and you can practice while without your license but then you just can't prescribe until that comes through so most job offers want you to have your test done want you to have your state license done and want you to have your DEA license your license to prescribe so it can take you know three months um, or so after graduation if you delay your test wanting to study some more it can take even longer but as soon as you pass that test you're a PAC and you can start working on all your licenses and all that kind of thing but it does typically take you know three months is probably the soonest after you graduate that you're actually going to start getting paid um, and it could take even longer if the state license takes a long time Thank you. All right, so I just have one last question from you. I'm super interested in your journey from the Netherlands, and I know you guys are super active on social media, and I've seen some of your stuff, and some of it for our listeners is even in English, um, which is really amazing because I love to follow PAs in other countries. So if our listeners are interested in learning more about the Netherlands or want to get in touch with you or want to follow you, where can they find you? Well, they can find us on the, at the PA podcast, of course, on Instagram and um I run the at life of a PA student, so they can uh, contact us there any um, any time. And uh, we also have like the PA podcast at hotmail.com on um, our socials as well, so they can also contact us there. But in English, you write D with um, T-H-E, and in Holland, or in the Netherlands, you write uh, D-E. So that's the difference when we when they look us up that they have to put up put down D-E and not. <laughs> okay yes we will put those all those links in the show notes so they can yeah, find right. you <laughs> if you want to and really appreciate it and we're really excited i know i love to follow you guys and see what's going on in the netherlands yes we enjoy following you guys as well of course well, thank you so much, Jill and Shirley, for coming on. Really appreciate it. I just want to say I'm blown away uh, by the fact that you were able to do a podcast in a foreign language. It's absolutely amazing. I'm super excited about learning more about the Netherlands, and I think you guys have an amazing career there and amazing schooling there. And so please keep in touch because I'd love to see how things are going and maybe even visit someday because I love to travel. Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are so happy to connect with you and share our passion of the PA profession. 
Don't forget to go to the show notes and join our super fun Pacers membership so you can start making your CASPA application more competitive today with virtual shadowing hours, coaching sessions with us, and so much more. Also in the show notes, we have a free download, an Excel PA school record keeper that mimics CASPA format, meaning you keep all of your shadowing hours, patient care experiences, volunteer information, awards you have received, leadership roles, and the loads of other information you need to apply to PA school in one place. So you can copy paste into CASPA when you go to apply. Get it in the show notes. Have a great day and we will see you at the next episode. Keep up the awesome work.